0: Welcome to SME Radio. In this episode of Mid-Market Matters, we're going to talk about accounting, but we're not really going to talk about accounting itself. We're actually going to talk about the role of an accountant as in a business advisor, mentor, coach, problem solver. And we're joined today by Lou from LG Accounting Solutions, who's based in Perth and has been an accountant for 28 years. He owns and runs his own accounting practice dealing with mid-sized business owners, along with fellow director, Natasha Lee. Lou, firstly, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Craig. I'm really interested to find out how and why did you become an accountant to start with?
1: Well, that's an interesting question. It was sort of by default, really. I was doing Ag Science And uh, I was getting towards the end of that degree and um, I realised there was no jobs in it. So it was a simple case of survival to start with. And I thought, well, if I became an accountant or went and did a Bachelor of Business, what I could do is I I could do that job for a while and then start my own business. So it was really done sort of out of a strategic way of thinking about the degree and the most useful thing I could do.
0: Right, so you're now in an accounting firm, LG Accounting Solutions. Tell me a little bit about the firm and how it's grown over the, over the years that you've had it.
1: Okay, so we started um, in 1999 when we knew that the GST was coming in. Prior to that, I, I was working with a, um, a large, medium-sized business in business services and tax consulting Saw the opportunity of the GST coming in. I'd already done about 25 seminars around (laughs) Western Australia for various business groups, including the Law Society, et cetera. Realised that it was just a massive opportunity to start any sort of business going into the GST um, era, um, and that's the way it worked out. So took a small group of clients and grew them into a larger group of clients.
0: Whilst you're an accountant by background, um, you do a lot more than just accounting work for your clients. Your passion's about solving problems for business owners. Tell us a little bit more about that and how you use accounting to do that.
1: Right, so I suppose um, uh, being um, very interested in business generally, I, I, I do a couple of things outside of the practice as well, um, you get a, a lot of experience um, both in your own business and dealing with clients and others around how a business might operate and more particularly the problems that um, arise from running a business. And every business owner um, we know has problems. Some of them they can solve themselves, but others they re- have to rely on other professionals or others to get involved in supporting them and then helping them grow.
0: So tell me some of the things that you do in terms of the business advice and what the practice does with business owners. What are some examples of the actual advice you give and where you focus?
1: Well, look, primarily clients usually come to us because they've they've got a problem their current accountant can't solve. Otherwise, people don't move. So primarily, it might be tax-related, and then on from there, it might be that their accountant's just crunching the numbers, so they want to know how to make more money. And then it could be about their cash flow. It could be their business systems. We do quite a bit of work in that area, their business restructuring, starting a new business. um, And we do quite a bit of work around the succession planning uh, part of businesses as well.
0: Okay, so I'm interested to find out your business itself has been quite successful. You've been around for literally 20 years now, um, starting in 1999. Tell me yep. a bit about how and why you've been successful in what you're doing.
1: Well, I think it's, um, it's working with medium sized businesses. It's sort of easy to say that, but I think what, what I do that helps a lot with business owners is you, you build a relationship. With them and that's done by empathising and listening to start with because I think that's where it all starts it's it's getting a real understanding of what the person that you're sitting in front of really wants and what they but sometimes they don't know what they really want so you sort of have to lead the conversation a little bit but you've got to really give the, the person that you're talking to the airtime if you like to um to express their problems and their needs and sometimes and that will drift onto all sorts of areas not all about business sometimes it's their private life and you you really build a, a very personal relationship with a business owner, get to know how they think, and from there you can use that to determine how best you can help them.
0: It's interesting to hear an accountant talk about building personal relationships and listening. Most accountants are trained to do exactly the opposite, which is to give lots of answers.
1: I think we, we all, as as experts, we try to jump in too early. Sometimes I, I catch my team members here at times jumping in early with a solution when, when really it needed you needed to sit back for a bit longer And find out what the real cause of the problem was. Because sometimes you just think, oh, I can just solve that problem, click of the fingers, here's my cookie cutter solution. But that's not business. Every every problem is slightly different.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting approach. Um, You had an interesting approach where you interviewed some of your larger clients. Tell us a little bit about that process and what came out of it.
1: Well, the reason we did that was we wanted to, to find out about our 10 largest clients, what they valued out of LG Accounting Solutions the key thing that really came out was they were actually quite open. I mean, not all business owners are great communicators, but they really tried very hard to communicate with us what feelings and um, and how they felt about dealing with the firm. Naturally, we, we did ring the 10 clients we got along well with, but the key word they all used was support. They wanted support, um, and from there, it was um, about giving them ideas around the business and inspiring them to, to grow their businesses as well.
0: So support, ideas and inspiration. Yep, that's it. Yep, yep. Yeah, it makes sense for business owners. That's obviously key. Uh, when you talk about support for mid-sized businesses, you know, larger businesses that have got employees and, you know, lots of uh, lots of issues, complications, complexity around how they operate. What are mm. some of the key things they need support with?
1: There's a few things. So. It's, it's all about them in th- getting through that, um, that HR process. So we help our clients with that, making sure they don't put a foot wrong through the hiring process and try and give them some tips that, that we've learnt um, with dealing with employees ourselves and, um, and, and, and for other clients. So we get involved in that recruiting part of the process with getting the right documentation in place. And then if they're, um, if they're structuring their team, We get them to start to think about what their ideal business might look like from a team perspective and who they need where and and what roles these people need to play and what expertise they might need. But we also get them to think about their culture. So it's important to not just hire on technical ability, but to hire on how that person might fit in with the rest of the team. Because if they don't fit in with the rest of the team, it doesn't really matter how good they are. Uh, they won't. Um, they won't last. You know, I always think that when you hire someone, if you hire the right person, then if the skills aren't there, they'll learn them
0: quickly enough because they'll have the right character to do it. Okay, and I mean, interestingly, the three or four things you spoke about there—none of them are directly financial. HR no. structuring teams, culture—they're not typically financial questions or issues. They're they're other.
1: Yeah, they are. So um, you build a personal relationship with your client, and and that's not numbers, is it? That's, a, that's a, um, a touchy-feely thing. Um, and what it does is it it, 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 gives you a, it gives you a level of trust, which means that you and your client talk to each other about all sorts of things and you're able to help them more. And that's the key thing they're here for is that support or help. Um, that's the basis of the relationship. If we don't understand the client, then there's no way we can get that bit right.
0: I'm interested to hear a little bit about um, maybe some client case studies or examples of clients you've worked with recently and some of the projects you might have done with them or some of the the solutions you've given.
1: Probably a good example is um, an employee share plan that we've just finished for one of our medium-sized business owners that's um, Office Solutions IT. They've got a team of uh, 50 or sixty people and what they realised is that they needed to retain key staff. So they spoke to us at sort of HR space, I suppose you'd call it, now, what can we do to um, to, to try and retain and, and build an interest in the business from our key staff? So what we did was we, we suggested through work with Succession Plus um, an employee share plan. I've implemented that over the last six or eight months and that's been very, very successful. The, the meetings that we've had with the client and the employees where the employees have gone from really lots and lots of questions around the finances of the business and what drives it um, so they're, they're developing the, um, the, the business owner mindset and that, that really didn't take very long for them to sort of switch onto it and get a really clear understanding of what drove the business because of course now what's happening after just a, probably three or four months since it actually kicked into gear is that they're offering all sorts of help to, to the business, the three directors of the business on how the business could improve. So that was a really good story, that one.
0: And that's had an effect on the performance of the business yet, or it's starting to come through?
1: It's starting to come through, Craig. So um, that's the that's the last ESOP that we put in place. You know, others you're starting to see the results. So it comes through in all sorts of ways. Um, if you have three directors driving a business as opposed to twelve people sitting around the table. The leveraging that is is far greater than than just having the three directors sitting there as good as they might be. Yeah,
0: and I think that's an important point. As you get to a mid-market business, you talked about uh, fifty or sixty people in that business. Mm. For three people to run that, manage that, supervise that, that's a lot of work. But if you've now got twelve people who are shareholders doing that, you're only dealing with five or six people each. It's a very different dynamic.
1: Absolutely, just filters right to the bottom of the business. The three directors tend to sit at the top. They don't. Necessarily see right to the bottom of the business, but if you've got um, the next level down, and and, you know, I'm not talking about necessarily just putting all the senior managers in the employee share plan, it could be part of your admin team. So you're getting a diversity of views across the whole business, which accelerates it, accelerates its growth.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. And the original reason they put that in, you mentioned retention of good staff. Um, That's obviously a byproduct of an employee share plan, you know, you lock people in for a longer period. Yep. But the results you're talking about now aren't about retention. They're about improved performance.
1: Yeah, that's right. Well, so it goes hand in hand, really. If you keep the good people, you're going to grow your business
0: faster. Obviously, we're in a tight labour market in Australia. We have been for quite some time. Keeping key people is a big issue for most mid-market businesses. Staff turnover's a big problem.
1: Oh, it is a big problem. I don't remember the exact stats, but uh, you lose a good person and you probably lose three or five months worth of productivity out of that role. Plus, if you use a recruiter, you've got um, anywhere around sort 15 of to 25% um, cost um, straight out of your cash flow. So if you don't have to go through that process as often, it's, that's great for the bottom line.
0: Okay. Um, in terms of mid-sized businesses, they, they obviously you spend a lot of time listening to them and talking to your clients about what's affecting their business at the moment. What are you seeing in the market at the moment? What are, what are the main things they're struggling with or what are the main barriers?
1: Well, the West Australian market, which is where we are, is pretty tough from a cash flow perspective. So we've been working with our, with our clients from a cash flow point of view. The other area which we're increasingly seeing, and I think I, particularly over the last year, more business owners are thinking, um, because the cash flow is a little bit tight, what are we What are we here for? And so we're starting to get a little bit more question around that, which then leads on to, well, yeah, what are you here for? On on Friday, I went and saw a client who um, who's, who's probably, I think he's about... 48 or so so he's not he's not particularly old and he's still got plenty of life to, left in his business but you know he's sort of scratching his head wondering where he's going Now he didn't say that to me but i, I sort of figured he was starting to think that way and on a couple of phone calls i had with him so i said i'll come over for an hour or so and i'll i'll give you a bit of time and we sat down and we worked through all the permutations that he was looking at and i i found um, stuff out about his the next generation down and, and what the skill level was like so and he appreciated obviously talking through his business and where he wants to go with it and whether it might be a a, um, a generational change or whether it might be a, a, you know, a sale to a third party we've got a basic framework to to work with and we'll meet monthly to talk this through um till we get to a point where we we can activate a succession plan i think we've got a lot more of that going on as well
0: yeah, that's interesting. So it's no longer a financial accounting focused relationship. It's now around strategic and succession planning.
1: Absolutely, it's becoming much more important. Our business has moved from when I started twenty years ago, from probably eighty or ninety percent compliance. I mean, we did a few cash flows and a few odds and sides, maybe bank applications, that sort of stuff. Really, all around the numbers still. Mm. To now where we um, we we've, we've gone below fifty percent in what you call the compliance work part of the practice. I think it's down to about 45% last year. Now, it's not that we don't want to do that or anything like that. It's just that the other part of the practice, which is where we see the real value moving forward, and it is needed by our clients. Um, That's where our practice growth is coming from. Our business model is around giving business advice around a whole range of business issues and not just the numbers.
0: And I think clients see that as far more valuable as well, don't they? I mean, I used to back in the old days when I was an accountant many many years ago um, yep. I remember clients sort of saying well all you're doing there is keeping me out of trouble with the tax office it doesn't really help me you know you're not adding any value if you're just doing compliance but they're quite happy to pay for and and recognize the value in the advisory space the advice you're giving them around growing or cash flow or succession
1: absolutely I mean you take a client that might be paying twenty or thirty thousand dollars just to meet their obligations at the tax office yeah you add on Two thousand dollars worth of help, and you've added. You could add fifty thousand or a hundred thousand dollars worth of value, and so you turn a you turn a, a client into you know a, a client who's not grumbling, but they they're just getting the numbers processed um, into a client that goes, you know, what these guys are really worth having on board. Mm. Um, you know, they're charging us X, but we're actually head by Y, which is a much greater number. Yeah. I mean, I had a guy come into me. Um, here's another example: a guy that came into me. I haven't seen him for. Uh, face-to-face for probably four or five years he was in perth he moved to sydney he's in sydney now he's got over there he started a business up and it's just got to a point now where he he's starting to think well he needs a bit of help with it and he's flown back over to perth um for a meeting i had with him on uh, only yesterday and he's gone look i've got an accountant in sydney and but all he does is just process my tax returns that's all he does right and he, he flew from sydney to perth to see me because he realized the value that I'd given him prior to him, you know, he was in business previously, he went out of that and he's had a hiatus, if you like, and now realised he needs to re-engage with a business advisor, not just a tax accountant.
0: Yeah, that's a great story. It's a really interesting aspect. Before we wrap up, I'm interested in your business philosophy and sort of your approach to things. You've you've talked about your customers and clients and how they rely on you. How do you approach running your business?
1: Um, well, I think there's, there's some key parts to it, Craig, um... Like any business, um, there's um, you, you've got to, you've got to have a group of people that are that are, cult- are a cultural fit for what you want to do. Um, they've got to operate within systems. And I think um, one of the biggest challenges that we've had is, as you mentioned before, we had it. We've got a tight labour market. We still do. That's probably not going to change much. The smart thing that's happened in the in the accounting industry over the last few years is technology has played a, a massive role in in the way we conduct our business so there's been massive change through technology which gives us much better leverage to, to, um, to process the numbers so what we do is our strategy around our business model is to use the right people in the right roles in the right systems with the right technology to produce a product for our clients that's produced in the best way with the least possible cost.
0: Wow, that's a fantastic summary. Um, Before we wrap up, number one tip for mid-market business owners.
1: Um, I think uh, what they need to do is they need to think seriously about why they're in business and what they're going to get out of it when they stop running it. And that is whether it's a hand down or a sale um, onto the stock market or another third party. They need to plan now for that exit.
0: Fantastic advice, Lou. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank
1: you for listening to SME Radio, proudly produced by Eagle small business podcasting platform. For more great episodes like this, go to smea.org.au. Remember, if you have a story to tell, we want to share it.